What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 264 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Noah Rashid from Travel with Noah. Noah is a first-time traveler and brother of Yazi Rashid, whose episode you can listen to in the show notes. He is here with me in Mexico, cutting his teeth and trying out the travel lifestyle. Thus far, he's having a great time and looking forward to spending the next three to five years on the road. It's been a cool transformation to watch him start from not having really traveled before to now really ambitious and excited to see the world, have new experiences, and challenge himself in all of his preconceived fears. So if you're a first-time traveler, I have no doubt that you will get a lot out of this episode. And if you're even an experienced traveler, this is going to bring back a lot of fun memories for you, just hearing about where his head's at and how he's pushing through some of those fears and new experiences and challenges that we've all faced on our travels and will continue to face as we continue to move around the world. So if you're a first-time listener, please pull out your phone, hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to this on. And if you like this episode, the best way you can help Misfits and Rejects is by sharing it with a friend. A new listener is always appreciated. So if you think somebody you know would like this, if they're about to go on a trip for the first time and you think they could get some valuable information from Noah and his experiences, share it with them. That will help me grow Misfits and Rejects and get the message out there. If you like Misfits and Rejects as well, you can always support Misfits and Rejects financially. I am on Patreon. You can hover to patreon.com backslash misfits and rejects and give a monthly donation. Any donation is appreciated. Anything from $1 and up, it's all appreciated and nothing is expected, but it definitely helps with the misfits and rejects bills that I accrue every month. And the other way to support misfits and rejects is to head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick up a misfits and rejects t-shirt. Again, thank you for joining us today. I have no doubt you're going to get a lot from this episode with Noah Rashid, Travel with Noah. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Noah Rashid from Travel with Noah. Noah, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's good to have you, man. It's really nice to have you in my home here in Mexico. Brought you on the show because you're a first you are a first-time traveler. And you are the sort of a good friend of mine who's been on the show many times. I will put her episode in the show notes for people who want to hear Yazi Rashid, Jasmine Rashid's episodes. She's actually been on multiple times. But um, yeah, the impetus of this was just to hear the perspective of somebody who's 24 years old, leaving a small town in Germany for the first time and traveling to a country that, to be fair, many people are afraid of. You know, and and then where that might take you into the future. So, with that said, man, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Um, can you tell the audience a little bit about the town you come from? If you want to name it, if you want to just give us kind of an understanding of your life for the last twenty four years before you chose to leave. Sure. Um, yeah, my town is called Goch, G O C H. It's a small town in Germany, west part. Um, it's like 
10 minutes from the Dutch border. And yeah, like everyone knows everyone. And there's no, not much to do. It's like simple life. Everyone's working. So what would you do for fun as a kid growing up? Um, well, we have some skate parks around and maybe long, like some BMX driving in the streets, stuff like that. So you're pretty active childhood, like you're outside a lot. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming it gets cold in the wintertime. Are you skiing? No skiing at all. It's all flat land. But um, yeah, we were outside every single day, no matter if it rained or stormy. We played football against the fence. Um, yeah. So pretty active childhood. Totally. Would you say that many of your friends and you would talk about travel, fantasize about travel, talk about, oh, when I get out of Gulf, I'm going to go see the world or I can't wait to get out of this small town. I don't like this small town. Was these, were these conversations you had with your friends? Um, like the friends that I have in the past few years. Yes. Sometimes we talked about like, Imagine how it would be to travel to America or like see Australia. But like, I think their intentions were not as pure as my intention was. So yeah. Like genuine meaning like you were going to do, do it because you said you were going to do it. Um, yeah. Right. They talked about it, but they would never commit to doing it. So understood. I mean, that's quite a few people in this world, you know, when it comes to actually doing it, whether it's travel or starting a business or marrying a person, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of people talk and they never do it. So I'm proud of you that you took that first step. Would you say that in the times that you thought about your travels, there was a specific place in mind that you wanted to travel to first and foremost, the thing that you fantasized about the most? Um, no, I just, always thought about going to America like my sister did, mm-hmm. but like no specific place or town. So what's the fantasy for a young man, young teen in your town, Gulf, that they think about when they think about America? What does that mean? It probably means like being free. Um, to a lot of my friends, because they're very car addicted, it means... Cars with V8s, humongous power, and just no certain rules that we have in Germany. So, yeah, more freedom, maybe. Freedom from those types of, like, objects that people desire to have? Or is it freedom from, like, the oppression of the German government or the small town oppression that wants to keep you there and keep you working in the, I don't know, factory or whatever people did for work. Like what would you, what, what, why was it more free in America in your mind? Um, I guess because of like the ability to escape some rules that we have in Germany, that you don't have in America. So yeah, that means like, Everything to some people. What are the rules? Just out of curiosity, I didn't like, know that we had rules that you don't. Or we're not allowed to have straight pipes in the cars. Uh, so, like the illicit like, behavior of like smoking marijuana is more free in America. For sure, yes, and also like 
wrapping up an engine or something, <clears throat> it's not like very well seen in Germany, but in America, like as far as I saw it, it was everyone kind of does it who was car addicted. I see. Yeah. So you could express yourself more freely with your love of cars. Sure. With your love of, not that you, you love marijuana, but like you'd feel more free to uh, smoke weed if you were in, say, a state like California where it's completely legal rather than your, your hometown. Yeah, totally. Got like it. My friends, they smoke a lot of weed, but um, they want to come to California someday <laughs> to be able to smoke I weed see. in open streets. Yeah. I see. What then is like the job description of the average friend that you have right now? Like what kind of work do they do to make money and survive? Um, I got one friend. He's a, a, he works on cars. He's a car mechanic. Um, and then geriatric nurses. Um, yeah, just like construction working. So everything. Yeah, so I mean, it's like, not like a factory town where everyone goes to the coal mine or something like this. No, not at all. Like everyone has their job. Like my friend community, they have like pretty much the same jobs, but, um, yeah, they like, and what was your job prior to, did you go to college? Did you study no, at university? No, no. So straight from school, school, then our equivalent of high school in America, you went straight to work. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And that was what? I did an apprenticeship as a car salesman and finished off that in three years. Yeah. And so I'm assuming you learned a lot about sales. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a good salesman? Probably not. I mean, I can sell you a few things, but like, I don't feel that addicted to that job. Why then did you choose it? Um, it was kind of a quick decision because they kicked me out of school, kind of, because I was, uh, struggling and I didn't have that good, potential to get to the next um class mm -hmm. and then yeah i wouldn't survive so i choose to do an apprenticeship and i knew the guy who was the boss of the company mm -hmm. so i asked him like hey could i learn something from you do you have a job for me and then he said yes well you don't have to apply for it because i know you so just go for it. Yeah. So three years studying how to be a salesman right? To, for cars, but salesman in general. Not because you were passionate about sales. It was just an opportunity. That is one thing I thought was interesting through the friendships that I've had and girlfriends, girlfriend that I had in Germany was that the school system, if you're not keeping up with the school system, they will kick you out. And this is for young teenagers, like a friend of mine now, a German girl like went to the same class three times because it took, she couldn't pass it. I mean, and that's crazy. She's now three years older than the younger kids coming into her class. And I was just thinking how that would be psychologically very depressing for me to know that I'm three years older than the youngest students in my class. And just cause I'm yeah. either not smart enough to figure out how to get out or I don't know. Yeah. And that's kind of sounds like they, they determined that you weren't going to finish this at a high mark with the right grade. So they just said leave. Um, well, yeah, kind of. I like had to uh, take one class two times. Okay. And then I 
got to the next class, which I was glad to be in. Mm. And then I had to take that class again. And then they said, like, this is not your business. Just make sure you get out of here. Got it. And, then and that's actually, I mean, although there's some listeners who are thinking, oh, that's so unfair. I mean, there is a, a safety net of trades that many German people go to, like you did learning how to sell or learning how to weld or learning how to build a house. And so many students who don't progress in school then go into a trade, right? Right. And that's yeah. very normal. It's not, did you feel bad about that, like not finishing school? I mean, like kind of. It's people in Germany, they like when you finished your school in a very high grade. Um, but like no one really cares. They want you to have at least one job that you learned for like three years. Um, but they don't look down at you and say like, you piece of shit or something. Okay. So that's, okay. yeah. That's cool. So like we started the episode with, you know, you're 24 years old. Um, you f went into your apprenticeship at what age? 17. 17. So that was three years, you said? Yep. So 20 you finished. And then the last four years, you just did what? Uh, first, I got my job um, as an assistant at a tiling company. Um, also, so you didn't do anything with the sales at the car dealership? You went straight into becoming yeah. an assistant tile worker? Yeah, I had my last uh, exam for the car, sales car salesmanship thing. And then, like, I think two weeks later, I started my job at the tiling company. Yeah, and I did that for, like, one and a half years. Uh, and then I like, quit the job and started at a garden and landscaping company. And then, yeah. How would you say your overall happiness was for the last four years working in Germany in the same town? It was pretty mellow. Um, so you weren't unhappy. It was just life. It was, yeah, it was just life. I was totally unhappy at the time that I worked for the tiling company because my boss was just a not very nice uh, person. Um, and then, yeah, I just quit that job. And then I started off at the uh, garden and landscaping and they were pretty nice I learned a lot of stuff from them and yeah I felt great so since you were living you know a life that you're fairly happy with um, you had alluded to saying earlier that you know you did have aspirations of one day you know maybe following in your sister's footsteps traveling in America or the Americas was there a moment in time that drove you to make the decision to like say fuck this i'm done i'm leaving it's time to go now try this life that i once dreamed of um yeah pretty much when my dad passed away okay and then the like breaking up with my ex-girlfriend and stuff like that mm -hmm. that like kind of got me and i felt like shit and then i decided all right if you guys want to bring me down I'm going to show you how I stand up again. Nice. And then I, yeah, I like decided that to go. I like that attitude. That's <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Well said. So that motivated you then to take that first step to travel, which was where? Where, where did you go on your, 
Well, first off, I'd like my audience to understand because I'm assuming through your work, you were able to save enough money to travel. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Can you talk about this a little bit so the audience understands? Like, um, so I, when I finished off at working at the garden and landscaping company, they kicked me out. Mm-hmm. They fired me mm-hmm. because I had a lot of sick days. Okay. Because my dad passed away and I took my time to get my mind to settle down a bit and stuff like that and okay. take care of my family. Mm-hmm. And then I started this new job and with construction. And then, yeah, I don't know. One thing. Uh, was leading to another and I got my inheritance from my dad okay and then that was my possibility to be able to pay for my travel right and to yeah go visit my sister we planned that like four times and it didn't work out because I met a new girl stayed in Germany didn't want to leave Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then now we decided to all right this is the right moment to go Nice. And then we took off together because my sister was visiting Germany at that moment. And then we booked her, me, on the flight that she already had booked. And yeah, that's, and I took off to San Francisco. That's cool. Yeah. And I'd always like to clarify for the audience because, again, people listening sometimes think, oh, like an inheritance means millions of euros or something no. like this. Um it was a small amount, enough to travel for how long? You don't have to give a specific number, but like, if you were to guess, like, could you live off this for a year, two years, one um, year, six months? I had a car, and I had to pay the bill for the car, mm-hmm. so it's mine. That was like fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand euros had to pay. Okay. So I took those, like my inheritance, that part to pay mm-hmm. my car. Okay. Um. And then I just, yeah, I ha- the money that is left, like, I would say I would be probably able to live of that for a year. Okay. But I would have to learn how to live of that okay. for a year. That gives everybody perspective. Yeah. So it's like, you could easily say that you have, you know, I don't know, like 20, 30,000 euros roughly when you got the inheritance and then half of it goes to uh, the car and then you start thinking about now, okay. For a year, how am I going to live off 15,000 euros? I'm guessing. But like one could guess through what you said. That's kind of what happened, you know? So, okay. So that gives every perspective. You know, you have a little chunk that you could easily live off in a, in a country like Mexico or a country like Nicaragua where the audience knows I spent a lot of time in, but you choose to go to San Francisco, the most expensive city in all of America. (laughs) <laughs> and that's okay because your sister's going there. Her husband, John, from episode 27, who the audience knows really well, um, is is your sister and uh, John's wife. And they obviously, your family, they're going to help you out. But what happens? You land and what was your first impression when you landed? My first impression was, um, I kind of remember this exactly because I, I was kind of stuck uh, and they w- wouldn't let me into the country because they were afraid that I want to work here in America yeah. and yeah I to be honest I had to lie a little bit <laughs> um, and yeah I got through and the first thing that I saw was little Julia and Carla running towards me and giving me a hug and then my sister came up filming me 
which I hated. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, you were actually the guy who hugged me and said, welcome to America. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I do remember that. Yeah. We had spent the uh, afternoon with a friend, my college uh, university roommate. And then we came and picked you up and we had beers ready for you and yeah. took you back. And uh, yeah, it was nice to meet you off the plane. And I was leaving, I think, the next day or the day after. Yeah. Two days, yeah. I think. And um, we got to share a few adventures together for those 48 hours. Yeah. And then I just, I remember saying, if you ever want to come to Mexico, you're welcome to stay. So you stayed in the States for three months. Yeah, I would say like two and a half months. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, <clears throat> did it meet all of your expectations based on the fantasy that you had growing up? Kind of. Well, when I did my road trip through California to the national parks and LA, San Diego, uh, Monterey, I had a few expectations how it would look like. Um, and I think they were pretty much the same that I had. Like, yeah, it was amazing. It was a great trip. It took me 12 days. Um, I rented a car and it was just shrinking your budget drastically. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it was very beautiful. Like, uh, Yosemite National Park. That was my first kind of impression that I had. Mm -hmm. uh, I arrived in the dark and then I tried to figure out where to sleep. And I was trying to sleep in the car. And then I found out that I'm not allowed to in Yosemite Park. And then I was like, shit, where am I going to sleep? And then I found out there's a campground and they have like these small tents that you can rent for a night. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And then I woke up in the morning and saw Yosemite by daylight the first time. Mm -hmm. And I stepped out of the tent, looked up, and I just saw a huge mountain. And I was like, shit, this is way bigger than I, I would have expected. And yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing time. That's cool. I'd like to share one story about when I first met you, after we kind of settled in, we got some sleep, and we were um, all at uh, John's mother's house, who's also been on the podcast. I'll put all these episodes in the show notes for people to kind of piece together the story of how this family is connected. But um, I remember saying, like, oh, yeah, you should just jump on the bike and just go down and just drive around Berkeley and stuff like that. And you were saying, like, I will never do that. <laughs> it was something like that is not something that I feel comfortable doing was my impression. Um, so I was like, okay, I mean, I'm not going to force you. But then within a, for the first week, you were on the bike riding down to the water, the bay, riding all over. And just for the audience to understand, like the where, where you came from was very, um, what's the right word, like easy for you to navigate. <clears throat> and then coming to America was so foreign for you, even though you had your sister and a nice family that was going to help you out, like just jumping on a bicycle to go down to Berkeley for where you were hanging out was seemingly a lot like a stretch, like something that was a little scary. You didn't really want to do. And I'm building this up because now you made your way to Mexico. You got to my house on your own in like a three month time. Which is okay. like, that's very impressive. You know, like that's not an easy thing for a lot of people to have a fear about something, face their fear, overcome their fear, and then move on to the next big fear. And for a lot of people, like coming to Mexico is a huge fear that you faced within the first three months. So 
I just want to say congratulations. Like from when I first met you to now, like you have grown tremendously. And I know as the conversations continue, you'll tell the audience about like your plans, but it sounds like America was meeting your expectations. You loved it. Um, at what point did you decide like this might be a lifestyle that I want to actually try to make happen and live for the next, since we've talked you, your, your goal is like the next three to five years trying to make this lifestyle work. Yep. yep. When, when did that kind of idea come into your mind as re- a reality? That's something you want to try to make happen. Um, I think I decided that on my road trip when I came to San Diego and, entered my first big fear of moving into a hostel with a lot of other people and have to communicate somehow and sleep in a dorm. That was totally new and I was so afraid of that before that part. Mm -hmm. And then I just had to do it because it was the cheapest way to stay in uh, San Diego. And I enjoyed that so much. And then from there, it just went like straight up to happiness. And I met so many nice people that are now all over the world. I have friends now that are in Australia. I have friends that are in India, uh, in Cambodia, in Africa, and in South uh, America. And... Some are even in Canada right now. So I'm very good connected all over the world now. And that only came from the decision to sleep in a hostel for the first time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's kind of where my thoughts of traveling the next years came. That's cool. That really pinpoints it as a experience I've shared as well, where when you do meet that international crowd and you start to hear their stories and how they're doing it and the fears that they're facing and the stories that they have to tell about how they face those fears, it gives you confidence to know that other people are going through the same thing and you can do it too, you know? And it sounds like you just said something that really caught my attention where it's like your happiness went from what it was when you landed in San Francisco to a level that had you ever felt before? Have you ever felt that happy before? Probably, but in a different way. I okay. mean, like that happiness, I was happy to be able to travel around California on my own, which I never would have expected before. And then I did this road trip, arrived to San Diego, and there were these, I think, 20 people when I came into the room, they just looked at me and were smiling. And I never felt that before. Like it was just, okay, I think they were waiting for me somehow. And then we talked about everything, them traveling, which inspired me. And then their stories, where they came from. They were from all over the place, all over the world. There were some people from Germany. There were some people from uh, the Netherlands. Some people from France, Italy, and one guy from Chile. And that was just an amazing crew. And we had so much fun together. And then my happiness level was just amazingly high. And in comparison to your life in Germany and the experiences you had growing up, had you ever felt something like that before? Is that a happiness you were familiar with? Like, I know you were really good at BMXing in Germany. 
can you compare the greatest feeling you ever had BMXing as a child to the feeling you had in that hostel? Or are they just two different things? No. Not comparable. Not even comparable. That's totally different. It's kind of the same feeling, but totally different. It's okay. like, I would say you have to experience this to be able to understand how it felt. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I think it was way better than landing a backflip on the BMX or something. Yeah. Has it lasted for you? I mean, a lot of times, you know, an, an emotional state like that, which is so heightened due to new experiences like you were having in San Diego, can be like a drug. It comes and then it goes. Has that lasted for you? Would you say you have now like a baseline of happiness that you have maintained since San Diego? Or has it kind of gone back to normal, like a normal Noah happiness level? It kind of gone down to normal, but the first days were just amazing after my trip to San Diego. I think I met this one guy. Oh yeah, Alessandro. He's uh, an Italian guy that I met there. And he joined me on my travel up to San Francisco. And from San Diego, we drove to L.A. And then, yeah, we just had an amazing time. And it was kind of the same happiness level that we had in San Diego that we took all the way to um, San Francisco. But it kind of changed because um, we were both very sad about meeting these people and then have to leave to get in the next adventure, which is exciting, but to leave these people behind and probably never see them again was kind of sad because we really enjoyed hanging out together. Yeah. I mean, that's a cycle that I haven't thought about in a long time, but that's a natural cycle you have as you travel, which will perpetuate forever because you have these magical moments in time with people and then you have to say goodbyes and then you don't always meet that group of people that all get along in the same way as it sounds like you did in San Diego. So that's always been interesting to me to have a sort of a similar context of a hostel, but the energy of everyone connecting isn't the same always as that first time in San Diego or as it'll happen again, but they're very actually rare occurrences, but it sounds like you experienced one that was so magical and such a unique moment in time where all like-minded people came together and really fed off each other's energy and really bonded, which is an experience 99% of the earth doesn't ever get to understand, you know, because you can only really experience those things by traveling to new places and just having random encounters with people that allow these experiences to unfold. I had it in Nicaragua. I've experienced it kind of in other places, but when you start now, me looking back at my travels over the last 24 years, it's like, wow, those moments are so unique. Like, Noah and I just experienced one in this uh, little surf town near uh, where I live with some friends of mine and I felt it and Noah felt it like the combination of human beings that were there together were completely magical and it just the waves were good the crowd was mellow everyone was getting along everybody had the same sort of excitement over the Christmas holiday and we just kept saying it all out loud to each other like this is so magical and so beautiful 
And um, I'm glad I got to share that with you, dude. Oh, that yeah. was really cool. Thanks for taking me there. Yeah. So you make this decision after San Diego. You finish your road trip. You go back up to the Bay Area where you hang out with your sister and brother-in-law. And then why did you want to start with Mexico? Because I had to, the opportunity to meet you okay. again. Okay. Um, now, I was thinking about... I have to continue traveling. This inspired me. These people that I met all over my road trip, they inspired me so much. I kind of want to experience that same shit that they do. Mm-hmm. And my, I talked to my sister a lot about traveling. She told me a bunch of stories, and I kind of felt like, okay, I kind of know now what you mean about traveling makes happy. And then... I figured that I have to experience more and I want to experience more. I want to see different cultures and just maybe see the whole world. And then I, yeah, decided, okay, Chapin told me that I could always swing by and now I'm here. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah. I'd like the audience to, because you come from a culture that has a lot of negative media towards Mexico. Um, just as in America and from now you like before you left what you thought about Mexico now after being here for the last 10 days is there any sort of um, anything that has been has come true or anything that you think is true about what the media how they talk about Mexico or has your experience been completely different from what you thought it would be like um my experience is totally different like the only thing that is like i would expected it was the police driving by with a machine gun in their hand and just looking around yeah and that's the thing that i was kind of afraid of okay but like they just make sure everything is safe and although mexico is seen as a very dangerous place I feel pretty safe right now. I do. I mean, it's still... I, f- I would feel kind of weird to walk around streets at night. Um, and I won't do that. But, um, yeah, so far, if we walk over to our restaurant and eat something, I feel totally safe. Right. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's happy. I mean, it's because of Christmas, for sure. But I think that's how it always is. So you think only on Christmas everyone's happy? <laughs> no, no, no. That's what, that's what I meant. Like, I think this is always like that. <clears throat> so everyone's always happy. It's not just because yeah. of Christmas. Yeah. But now in Christmas that most like families come to visit here, their families that are here, you see more people here. And I think that's the way it like, feels to me. Like This place is kind of crowded right now because families visiting families um and everything everyone just seems so happy and yeah that's just amazing to see yeah and even our trip like didn't feel weird at all some points yeah was a little scary because i didn't know what the the guys are talking about because i don't speak spanish but still it was i kind of felt safe the whole time that's great. I'm happy to hear that because I can relate in my first 
experience driving from Los Angeles to Costa Rica with John in the year 2000. And my fear level was 10 out of 10. The second we crossed the border and my fear level didn't change for the next, I think it took us like 12 to 15 days to drive from, you know, the border all the way down to the Guatemalan border. And I remember getting to the Guatemalan border after like 12 days of just being completely terrified and having this moment where I was like, wow, we made it through Mexico. Like, and everybody was so cool and so kind, but it was interesting that it took that long for my brain to kind of switch into a more relaxed mode to realize that, wait a second, this is a country of families and people who want to live a healthy, safe life. And they have their problems, but so does America and so does Germany and bad things happen all over the world and unfortunately the media latches onto those things and sensationalizes it in a way that can be very scary for outsiders to observe on the television and be like well of course I'll never go there I'll never go experience that but based on you know our trips together and what you've experienced it I'm happy that you are coming away with the same realization that I did which is this is a country full of kind people who want to just raise their family in a healthy, happy way. And they're here to make you feel welcome and show you the, the good time, you know? Right. And we did. We had an amazing adventure the last week together, just traveling all over. So now you and I will spend the next month together roughly and experiencing more of Mexico, which you're continuing to get more comfortable with and seeing different as different parts of the country. Uh, what's the plan? What's next? How do you see this next two, three, five years playing out? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I hope that I will be able to go to Nicaragua and see the place where my sister spent a couple of years and where you met John. I think. Or no. no, you noticed each other from before. But that's where you spend a lot of time with John together. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, and I think that I like enjoy staying in the Higante Bay and meet Kevin um, and enjoy life there. So, See how Nicaragua is like and then carry on traveling. Um, so based on what you said about the friends that you've made in San Diego and kind of how this travel experience is unfolding, it sounds like for you and what you desire out of traveling right now is to see new cultures, but have a familiar person there that you either know through a friend or somebody that you met already that you can share time with. Right. Is that right? Yeah. So Nicaragua is a natural progression for you because your sister lived there forever. I did, John. You want to see it, but it's also nice to know that there you'll be welcome by somebody. Exactly. Like you're not yeah. the type of traveler who wants to like leave my house and start hitchhiking from Mexico all the way down to Nicaragua. Um, would, or, or ride a bicycle like John did for a year in Southeast Asia or buy a car or buy a motorcycle. Tell us about like the type of traveler that you're learning like to be and you want to be. Um, I want to travel as cheap as possible. Okay. To be able to travel as long as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I'm not that guy who wants to hitchhike. Not right now because I just 
don't know how safe I can be with hitchhiking. Um, but I hope that maybe at the end of the next year, um, I maybe will be feeling safe enough to even hitchhike down from uh, Panama or somewhere up to San Francisco. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but for now, I'm maybe taking buses, airplanes, and stay in hostels. That's pretty much how I'm traveling right now. And I hope I will get maybe even a view of a different travel experience maybe only doing buses and moving to another country that is not quite close only in a bus not even using an airplane who knows yeah i don't know that's fair i like to ask because when i started traveling after my experience of trying to play professional soccer in europe my image of myself was that i was a rugged hitchhiker guy who would like get picked up by people and just be so charming and like they would take me home and you know I'd get to know the family and maybe I would get invited to like live with them and work with them and stuff like like this was the fantasy I had about myself and I quickly realized as I took my flight from Belgium to Italy where I was going to start my hitchhiking adventure that I was absolutely terrified of it number one and two even though I did force myself to do it on occasion, I didn't start off right away. Like I was too scared, too embarrassed, felt just so exposed. But even through the experiences I've had hitchhiking, I can say confidently after countless times, John, and I hitchhiked around, you know, the world, not literally, but you know, we've hitchhiked a lot together and just the hitchhiking I've done in my life. Like I, even though have had some of the most magical experiences, through hitchhiking I still don't like it <laughs> it's not a way that I feel comfortable traveling because I'm constantly having to be chatty with the person who picks me up and I have to constantly wonder if I'm going to get picked up and I constantly do still feel uncomfortable with who's the ride going to be you know and it's even though I've done it a bunch I still haven't overcome those fears, but also know that that's just not how I like to travel. And I'm become, I've become very okay with that. You know, I love traveling by bus. Right. Airplane's cool too. It's just more expensive. But I know for a fact that like, if I do want to travel cheaply again in the future for a long distance, maybe I'll try a bicycle because I like being self-reliant. I like having my own either money to pay for a trip or, or a bus, or I can know that my the bicycle pedals, I can push myself from one point to another, you know? So it's cool to hear that, okay, this is where you're starting mentally. It sounds like you're very realistic about yourself, what you know about yourself, what you like, for, where I wasn't. I wasn't at all realistic with who I was okay. as a first-time traveler in Europe. And it's just really cool to hear and give people perspective on the different frames of mind that people approach this at. And just as a little teaser for the audience listening right now, the next episode, I'm going to give an update on me and we will talk. I will talk a lot about fear in the next episode um, and talk about how I deal with fear. Cause it's, I think a topic that everyone can relate to 
challenging sure. themselves, yeah. you know, with things that they're afraid of. Um, and I've just taken a systematic approach over the many years I've been traveling and doing things that people perceive as dangerous. And um, maybe it'll help somebody. Maybe it won't. But just so the audience knows, this will be the next episode is me talking about. That's so good. Yeah. Travel, fear, and just my how I deal with it. So Yeah. I mean, I faced so many fears of myself on my whole trip until now. And every time I faced a fear, after I finished off with something, I was just so happy that I did it and that I like kind of faced my fear and that I've done it. Even though I was afraid of something, like I was totally afraid from getting from the airport to your place here. I was so afraid because I didn't understand any words and I was just like, shit, what am I going to do now? And I was even looking up on Google Maps. I didn't even tell you, but I looked up how long it would take me to walk <laughs> just because I was afraid of getting into a bus with a bunch of people that I don't know or getting a taxi and stuff like that. And I did it. Like You gave me a little instruction how to do it and where to go and I've done it. And it felt great. And now I think that I even would like be able to travel with the bus on my own, like without your help. Now I know how it goes. Yep. Like it's yeah. just a great <clears throat> feeling if you have fears to face them and like say, Yes, I've done it. Yep. I was afraid, but I fucking done it. And you like you just pointed out, you take that information, now you can apply it on your own exactly. without me being there. Yeah. And you can now see the world. By bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then when you get to a place where you have to cross the Atlantic or the Pacific, you're going to meet people who are doing it in a way that they're like hitchhiking by boat, you know, where they wait by a dock and then a boat needs someone to help them sail and then you can get a boat and you don't, you literally don't need to pay for transportation around the world as long as you are willing to be patient and hitchhike or travel by boat helping people working along the way like you can get all the way around the world yeah so there's opportunity for you you know as your money continues to run out so so the audience understands like what's your plan like eventually your money will run out if you don't figure something out or a way to make money so what's your plan um yeah my plans the like i said go to nicaragua hang out there and then probably go back to see my sister again in san francisco or in the bay area And then head back to Germany, maybe, see my friends for a week or two, do a little road trip to Portugal, Spain, maybe, or France, because I have friends there now, and I want to see them again, um, and then head off to Australia or Sri Lanka and sell my car. So the car will be maybe your next chunk of money that you can yeah, then yeah. have another adventure with? That will be my backup plan, yeah. So I'm going to keep the car until I'm back in Germany. Then I'm doing my road trip with my own car, which is pretty smart, I think. Mm. And then sell it again and make that money take care of my next adventure. And okay. then go to, I would love to go to South Africa. Uh, but I don't know if that works out, depending on how much money my car brings. Okay. Um, and then Sri Lanka. Okay. Uh, and then for sure, Australia and work and travel. Yeah, and yep. that's a good option for a lot of people listening who are under 31 years old. You can always get a work travel visa in Australia and 
land and just get a job. And you can work for a year and save money, which is what I did uh, with my girlfriend, India, who's episode three, I believe. Um, and we did that back in 2010. Wow. And yeah, saved some money and then decided that we wanted to move to Indonesia. So we moved to Indonesia. So lots of options for you. And it sounds like you, as you travel, are, are creating new options and meeting people who are giving you more inspiration. But it sounds like at least for the next six months, you kind of have a good plan and you know what you're going to do. And I wish you all the best, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's been a pleasure having you. One thing I like to ask before we get off the mics is if you had advice to give to anybody listening, something that could inspire them to maybe do what you're doing or leave a job they hate or leave a relationship they're unhappy with, like what could you say to maybe inspire them to make a change in their life? Um, if you ever thought about it, a thing that inspires you, like for me it was the traveling point, just go for it. Quit jobs like I did. I quit my job. I said, like, oh, I'm sorry, people, but I have to go now, and I'm gone. And then that's what I did, and it was the best decision of my life. I got out of this shitty relationship, shitty job. I loved it, but I hated it at the same time. And then I just quit and went on travel. And that's, I think, if somebody thought about traveling, they should go for it. And don't wait. You will make money on the way. If you have a little bit of savings, maybe 5,000 bucks, that's enough to start off traveling. And then you can still figure out what to do and where to go and how to keep on traveling like I'm doing right now. I know I don't have like hundreds thousand euros in my bank account, so I still have to figure out how am I going to get money to be able to travel the next years. And that's just, yeah, what I'm doing right now and it works. Love it. Thank you yeah. all for your time. Yeah, Appreciate you, you. Awesome, Noah. Thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. And again, sharing these experiences that we're sharing together in Mexico is super valuable for me as well. And I'm happy to do it with you and looking forward to getting you back on the podcast in the next few years to see where your travels have taken you. Thank you for listening, folks. You are very much appreciated and love. Thank you to all my patrons who support Misfits and Rejects. I really appreciate it. It does really help month to month with the bills that Misfits and Rejects accrues. And again, if you'd like to support, you can head over to patreon.com, search Misfits and Rejects or patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects and give a monthly donation as well. It's all appreciated. Nothing is expected. All the different levels and tiers of donation are spelled out for you. And I just want to say thank you again to all those who donate. I hope you all are having a wonderful 2024 and wish you all the best throughout the rest of the year. See you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.